It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at WFPK.org from Louisville Public Media. Oh, I got in easily. It's always a good day when Zoom starts correctly. And... Consequence Podcast Network. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tolist, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. Hey, and welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with... It's the interview series presented by WFPK and WFPK.org, Consequence, and the Consequence Podcast Network. Thanks, as always, for making your way here. Checking out the series and the episode. I, I do hope you like what you hear enough to, to hit the subscribe button. Uh, I put out three brand new interviews every single week. It's a new one every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to keep you up to date on your favorite artists and discover those new ones at, uh, at Spotify and Apple Podcasts. At NPR, WFPK.org, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcast from, you can subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. Uh, recent guests that I've had on the show have included Corey Taylor of Slipknot, uh, Michael C. Hall, the actor, uh, his band Princess Goes. We had Andy Taylor, formerly of Duran Duran, Rap Boys, Westlife, Tommy Stinson of The Replacements, Jerry Harrison of The Talking Heads. We had uh, Lena Waithon to talk about being Mary Tyler Moore, the filmmakers behind Heart of Stone, They Clone Tyrone, and Landscape with Invisible Hand. I've also talked to Adina Menzel, The Hives, Barry Manilow. Uh, that's just an example of what you get uh, three times a week when you subscribe to the Kyle Meredith with podcast. That's me, Kyle Meredith, today talking with uh, John Baisley of Baroness. They're back with a new album called Stone, and uh, it's not a color this time which is what they've done in the past. We're going to talk about uh, his penchant for short album titles in the likes of the like, like the first four Led Zeppelin records. Uh, we'll hear about how his uh, lyrics tell his uh, own personal story with hopes that it relates to everyone's own personal stories, uh, using genre and melody to get his point across. Uh, John's also going to go on to compliment Nick Cave, PJ Harvey, and Radiohead's strong sense of self within their band. I'll hear about seeing Sonic Youth and Nirvana as his first and second live shows, and how he says he was entirely lost while making this LP. It's all that and more as we talk about Stone. It's Kyle Meredith with John Baisley of Baroness. Yeah, nice to meet you as well. What a powerful record that Stone is. Thank you. And great to hear you guys again. Maybe we just start with that song title, because I feel like that probably speaks for something beyond just a title. I mean, I mean, obviously, maybe I should say not obviously, but this feels like getting away from the colors to more elements, although stone could be a color. But it feels like a word that probably says a lot with a little. Yeah, yes, I, I would agree with you there. And I would further that by saying that those are the type of titles that I gravitate towards for a variety of reasons. You know, practically speaking, I don't like longer titles. I think. In I think, you know, and, and I should preface this by saying like 
when I when I have opinions like this, I, I'm only applying them to us. I think there are great, well-titled albums uh, in history. Many, many, many of them. So many, in fact, that when I've tried to when I've tried to create compelling, pointed, specific, sharp, focused titles, I fall flat because I, I feel like it's it, I just never I don't have a knack for that. You know, some people are some people are graphic designers. It's efficient communication for me. It's like the more the more fine a point I try to put on my uh you know communication at that at that level the the weirder it gets and so I've always I've always enjoyed those titles that are either simple and broad enough that that each list and this is what I really prefer is where, where each listener can find their own meaning through through the title because clear clearly the artist has a purpose, you know, and has a reason, whether it's explicit or implicit or, or something they're going to speak of or not. I, I find as a listener, we take, we take two things. We take the album title and we take the, uh, the cover of the record. And we, we tend to find ourselves in, in there because we don't, nine times out of 10, we don't understand the references. And it's not really important that we do. It's more, it's more of a feeling. It's more of a, you know, sort of a conceptual artistic thing. So I think titles are great like that. Like I like, you know, Zeppelin, first four Zeppelin records, one, two, three, four, easy. <clears throat> and there's something that's got a unique fourness about four. And there's something that's got a unique two-ness about two and a unique oneness to one. Uh, so it's not to say that those titles aren't applicable to, to the music somehow in some, you know, in some uh, sort of a abstract way. But I like that because I can't, you know, because I can't come up with good long-winded titles and because um, I really appreciate those records in my life. Those, you know, those creative pieces of music that aren't aren't explained in like a prosaic way to me to the point where I feel that my own experience is then invalid when listening to a song. You know, not to say that this that's always the case, but when you listen when you listen to great great American songwriters like Springsteen or Cash or something, and they're telling legitimate stories. Or, or even, you know, like a great deal of like 90s hip hop, I thought always had these, it was like these stories about these people who are going through these, you know, like a, sto a story that has a beginning, a middle and an end. And I, I, that's, that type of songwriting doesn't come particularly easy to me. Uh, and furthermore, when you hear it, you as the listener, tra transport yourself into that person. So you are empathizing with this fictionalized character from a song uh that is a great i mean that's that's fantastic i had great experiences doing that that's just not the experience people have with our music that's not the experience i have writing and i'm not i'm not trying to you know from from a lyricist chair uh, i'm not trying to imagine some book some fictionalized character or somebody else's life i'm not trying to co-opt the things and that i see other people going through and try to bring them into me my goal with the titling with the artwork with the music with you know with, with the level of uh with the type of art that we make, with the type of creativity we try to access, it's about it's about a personal, it's about telling a personal story. But in in a sort of I guess in the inverse way, when we t when I tell a very uniquely and densely and sometimes heavily personal story, I find that the language that that I use tends to become a little bit more poetic and a little broader and a little more cloaked in metaphor and, and symbolism in order that I don't give something too specific away, but also because I think that, 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 that the way I, you know, the way I uh, approach these 
creative things. And I know I'm still answering your question about the title, incidentally. But for me, it's 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 telling it's telling a, a deeply personal uh, story in such a way that there's uh, the elements of universal apply to it. So the if I if I'm able to dig in deep and introspectively and and you know relate some aspect of a story or some feeling of an experience, our audience and listeners will find those points of. Uh, congruity and points of synchronization with their own lives but then expound on it and make something better and i and so so to make a very short easy easily answerable answerable question uh somewhat longer uh i think for me it's it's because i'm telling a story that's so intimate for me i think that addressing elements of universal and elements of um broad are helpful for our listeners to get into that world because at the at the very end of the day i'm not the story isn't like about that personal story of mine. It's it's that I think that my personal story is everyone's personal story because we all feel frustration. We all feel the stress. We all feel heartache. We all feel pain. We all feel frustrated and lonely and isolated. And all, all of these, you know, I, I again, I tend towards the negative things that have happened to me and I've got plenty of them. So it's, it, you know, there's no, uh, it's a deep wellspring. I'll put it that way. But because of that, I, I, you know, I don't think that those things make me different. I think those things make me the same. And what am I doing as, as an artist through, through our music? If nothing else, I'm trying to communicate with the world that I don't have a better, I don't have a better form of communication with. I feel, you know, th throughout my life, I felt quite at odds with the things that are happening around me. So I think this music is a vehicle for me. It's a very important one. So even when it comes to like an album title like Stone, see, I'm just trying to, trying to bring this back full circle. Um, it's got to have it's it ha it must have deep layers of meaning for me but it's not I, i'm not so presumptuous to think that, that my, my deep layers of meaning are, have anything to do with you or or, or interesting or anything other than pretentious so i'll hyperload everything but then i i want i want to preserve or, you know i want to serve that on a platter to an audience and let them have fun with it if they want to have fun with it but go deeper and you know try to try to pick apart that mystery it if they're curious, you know, it's it's like I want to I want to present something fairly to our audience. That's all my favorite artists. That's what they do. You know, all my favorite artists. It's maybe you get a good top line melody or something, you know, to sing along yeah. to, and then suddenly you realize, wait a second, what what's that line I've been singing? That what what is it? You know, what is it? it that's the best thing. You know, when it becomes when it becomes its own little mystery or its own little novel. Right, and so we so we as artists use these we use tools like genre we use tools like style we use tools like volume and tone and drums and guitars and voices those are they're all tools that we as artists use to serve our need for self-expression so yes a, a an engaging optimistic melody sometimes is the best thing in, and the best uh you know breeding ground for a a song that has depth and has emotion and has difficulty in it because this superficial sort of or, or artificial aspects of music, the stylistic conventions, the technical stuff, the, the craftsmanship that goes into, into those, those are, those are simply a different type of hook just to grab the listener. And all we're trying to do is, you know, and of course this is all done in a, at, a, at a subconscious level, but all we're trying to do is capture your attention long enough 
that the real important thing that we're doing, which isn't necessarily beautiful, which isn't necessarily uh, sublime and mellow and 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 or fun or or dance worthy, we use all of that stuff so that we can inject our our deeper meaning into that, and then and then the listener can have this juxtaposition between you know the sweet and the sour to over, to vastly oversimplify what we're doing or what everybody's doing in in order that the 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 experience is unique you know like like if the goal was just to write pop songs then then throw all of that throw the whole conversation out the window it, does, it doesn't matter then it's just about creating like a fun experience for you to dance to you know like Will Smith songs of that era. Every summer, something would come out, and it was just the song of the summer. Hey, yeah, whatever. Uh, you know, there was a there was a great history of like fun summer songs um, that have nothing to do with the way that I make music. You know, and and I and I struggle with that for, or or I was at odds with that for many years uh, as a as a younger musician and artist, and that I thought that the the idea of creating songs just for fun was was like against what i was doing when in fact it's just a you know it's just a parallel line it sounds similar because there's guitars or there's vocals or there's a rhythm but ultimately we're not we're not you know a pop artist and, and myself are not doing the same thing right you can coexist and it's fine we can, we coexist and, it, and it's great and it's great and i, I just have you know it's, i think it, for me it was just like growing old enough to realize that, oh yeah, there's some value to that music that I really was like against in the nineties. Um, but there, there's some value there. It's just not the same type of nutrients and vitamins and minerals that, that the, you know, the stuff I used to sustain myself on was. And we'll be right back right after this. Shout out to uh, Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing us with free samples. Uh, I, I live in Kentucky in the Midwest and allergies. Yeah, I suffer. When I say I suffer from allergies, I suffer from allergies. And around here, everyone I know deals with allergies to some degree. And for a long time, I thought it was just something that I would have to live with, which is a real problem um, for anything, but especially when you're a radio host. It affects my voice, it affects my mood, it affects everything. And I feel like I've tried every, I've tried all the medicines, some of them, work better than others, but there's there's never a perfect one out there, especially because some of them take forever to actually work and some of them don't work at all. And then there's Astapro, the fastest solution to nasal allergy symptoms. It's what I use now and it's definitely changed my life. Astapro is the first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over the counter allergy spray. It starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Uh, Astapro is the first and only 24-hour steroid-free allergy spray. Astapro delivers full prescription strength indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. With all the pollen in the air, with all the dust around the the corners of the house, uh, even with uh, the allergies I have from my dog, Astapro has been the nasal spray that has helped me with all of my allergies. And it can help you too. Get fast-acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. That's A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. 
Use as directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing, and itchy nose due to allergies. Welcome back. It's Kyle Meredith with John Baisley of Baroness. Now, that, I mean, and, and I talk about my favorite artists. In fact, I mean, you know, I like to surround them because even just a few of these over my shoulder with Depeche and, and Prince yes. and R.E.M., like, that's what I loved about him because, you know, and I relate this, like, like your song on this album, uh, Last Word, I feel like is a really good example of what's going on here. Because here's a potentially great sing-along. And then there's so much more under the surface that all of these artists gave right here, you know. And, and it ends up, you know, being an entry point for me on the record just because of that. It, it sort of opens the door for everything else. Yeah, and I, th- and I think that's, you know, I, I think that's, it's interesting that you recognize that. Uh, you know, I will, I will say, and I think, you know, I think this is a bit of a lost art form at the moment. It's not gone and we're not uniquely interested in it, but I really have always thought that we create records when there's the, 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 the fact that there are track IDs in between, you know, the, the creative songs doesn't, sh- shouldn't lead our, our listeners to think that that's, that's, and there's a bite-sized version of the record um and that being you know like any one song the songs are part of a greater narrative that extend you know that extends across the length of the record I'm sure you know no no surprise there but then i think even the records themselves are s- sort of microcosmic uh moments of a much of, of a story that's, that's even longer than that and that's if you, if you're the type of artist who just sees that through line from your very first work to you know wherever you're going in the future and i think you know i look at artists like like nick cave or pj harvey or uh you know radiohead uh you know maybe depeche mode a, a bit but like bands who don't like the idea of your band is broad enough that you can there, there can be stylistic shifts and there can be dynamic peaks and valleys but it doesn't that's not like oh this was the loud record of theirs or oh this was the quiet record of theirs like a a nick cave record is always even when it's a birthday party sort of an intrinsically nick cave record it's part of his story he's telling a tale that only gains that dim, that, that that third dimension when you listen to multiple records you know when you when you see when you see the development you can you're aware of that sort of thing and i think that's i think it's, it's i think it's an important aspect of uh, you know of a lot of artists that that you don't try to focus your attention to to like three and a half minute servings because that's now we're talking about commercial music again now we're talking about pop pop music which is where, where it's fine where it's fine like if i was a pop musician and i wrote one great three and a half minute long song then i can die easy because i that's that's sort of the goal is just to create one timeless thing Whereas I think when you're when you're a band or when you're an artist who considers things more in the band way, which is that there's a team, it's, it's like a teamwork effort to create something that should be greater than the you know than the sum of its parts. Then I think you, you're you're holding yourself to you're sort of playing by slightly adjusted rules. And then it's just it's about maintaining credibility. It's about developing your sound. It's about becoming more authentic and honest i hate saying authentic or honest when talking about music but to to concern yourself with with elements like authenticity and honesty in music and to to be predisposed towards focusing all of your energy on the 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 creative integrity of, of what you make insofar as 
sometimes I think we even write, record and release songs that aren't very good because they're part of, because they're the, the five minutes of them existing is, is a necessary counterweight to something else. And without this one piece, which I find fault with, you know, which an audience member might find fault fault with, or I might not think it's the greatest song, but it's but it it is there as, you know, it's it's the dark to balance out some other light, you know, um, and so I think I think you know we try to let ourselves be in that, you know, to, to sort of harness that spirit whenever possible, so that you know success is achieved before the record is released, you know, because oh, creatively we we feel successful, therefore the rest of it's just you know icing on the cake. Uh, but but the, you know it's the the act of I don't know maybe I'm maybe I'm a bit more like a approach this a bit more from like a standpoint like a visual artist or a, or you know just like a fine artist but the process of making is is it this that's all of it for me uh, which is why I always say you know we're 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 a live band because when we're live we're in the process of taking a space that's you know empty and silent and filling it with. Uh, things that we create and i think the, the the idea of recording can be the same thing where the most exciting aspect of if the most exciting aspect of writing and recording a record is, is physically making it then that excitement's audible and that and that that becomes a big part of uh, of the process which you know with, with our music and with you know quite a bit of music you've got up there there's serious themes so you have to take it seriously but you have to have fun and have, you know so it's this it's this balance of energies of you know being fired up and impassioned about what you do, but also trying to do something that people can understand long enough that you've gotten their attention, and then and then you can inject something unique and something surprising yeah. uh, in, in into their environment. Yeah, I'll add to that too. And, and watching what you all do, specifically even on this record, stripping everything away at certain points, and it's still being so heavy. At the same time, yeah. I mean the the album surprisingly to me ends or begins and ends in 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 the world of Americana. Uh, just to yeah. you know put the the broad label on that, and hearing you all sort of do the folk thing, and for it still to be in the Nick Cave sort of way, you know, since you right. know, that, that's oh, a yeah, great reference sure. right there. Like he's a master at that. Like this is going to be something so rustic, you know, and yet. Yeah. You know, King of the Murder Ballads, and <laughs> oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. It's it's just like I've you know we've we've had this career trajectory that's been really. I think that is maybe the unique thing about us is that we don't quite fit anywhere, um, but that has given us the the independence and the sort of freedom to operate everywhere all at once, you know, or, or anywhere that we choose to. And it, it allows us to take, you know, our musical creative instincts and just follow them to whatever conclusion that they lead us. And we don't ever have to worry about ideas like, will this upset the, you know, will this upset the orthodox uh, rock listener? Will this upset the orthodox alt, alt rock or metal or hardcore listener? You know, it's not, that's not important. What, what, what what I had an idea I mean, many years ago. I don't I don't know if it actually worked. I mean, maybe I'm like in the I'm the wrong person to answer this question, but I certainly asked it and I asked it of the group that 
whatever we do, you know, each record we put out is, is essentially a statement in time. And each statement that we make should support the idea that we're growing, we're changing, we're evolving, we're adapting, but we're never letting go of what, you know, where we came from. Like it's, it's this idea of roots, which I think is a really funny thing, uh, especially with music journalists who, who love to, you know, there, there's this thing where, where you say like, oh, it's, a, it's like a return to roots. Um, where I'm sort of like, well, wait, wait, but aren't roots like the, the one thing that is inflexible? Aren't the aren't roots the, the one thing you don't have to return to because they're always there? It's lazy journalism half the time, but yes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I think I think what, what it I think nine times out of ten, what it means is a veteran band trying to sound like new young bands. That's that's how I interpret it. But because because I think I think like as, as a as a band. Uh, where you've got multiple members and everybody's operating in concert to create this, you know, to create music. Your roots are, they are the thing that needs to be constantly. Uh, I mean, the, the, you don't, you don't need to do, you actually don't need to do anything. They're there. If they're not there, then they're not your roots, you know? Um, so our, you know, our roots were the, you know, had to do with the, the idea of expanding the idea that, uh, our our you know trajectory or our musical direction wouldn't be a single direction. It wouldn't be you no. Know, this isn't this isn't a highway for us where we're here at the beginning and we're working towards the end. Um, the you know and and then it's then it's just like okay, well you got your sound and you refine, you refine, you refine. You do better, you do worse with it, but you're always moving forward, always moving in one direction. I say fuck that. I say why can't we be more galactic or universal and just expand from the center? That way we can always, you know, so to speak, and stretching this metaphor, but like we can always reach behind us and grab from uh, Americana and folk music, which is a huge influence on our songwriting. But we can also do things like incorporate greater, further elements of synthesizers or electronic music, or we can drag out from you know a more you know the more extreme music zone that, that you know that we originally cut our teeth in we can take some of the energy of the you know those like insanely fast rhythms or insanely loud guitars again everything's a tool like the the only the only real instrument are the only real instruments in the band are the four of us it's what you know it's how we sort of extend our hands or our you know our muscles or vocal cords whatever to express ourselves. So, you know, at, at any given point in time, I want to be able to reach for my acoustic guitar and capable in, in order that I can capably express a heavy attitude or a heavy feeling or a heavy opinion. And then further to that, I also would like to have the ability to grab an electric guitar and an incredibly excited song and say something that isn't heavy you know it, it's 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 more that like i think there's expectations in music i think every you know we have music music is sort of a it's sort of like this weird artistic math where you've got real like you've got a real set of limitations there's only so many notes there's only so many members in the band there's only so many so many combinations of things that you can do that are musical uh and as soon as you know as soon as we free ourselves from as soon as we recognize those limitations and we can kind of free ourselves from the, you know, the bondage that it seems like they could create. And then it's, then it's just purely like, well, just express yourself, you know, maybe, maybe the expectation is that in a song that's like, 
you know, where the volume's cranked up to maximum, there's everything's distorted. Maybe the maybe the expectation of that would be that the song is going to be something harsh or brutal or in your face. I tend to go, well, the more sort of edge, grit, dirt, you know, harshness, brutality there is in, in, in the sonic realm, maybe that's, you know, that is potentially the best Petri dish for something that's really beautiful and really sublime and really tender uh, because there hasn't there haven't been a whole lot of things said that way. So perhaps we, as a group of people who are looking for uniqueness and individuality, maybe by subverting expectations, we can get ourselves one step closer to being unique and being authentic and being genuine. Um, because, you know, as artists, you know, the trade that we ply is in taking raw emotion and filtering it through our kaleidoscope in a unique way that allows the listener and, and the musician to gain further understanding about that subject or about uh, it just it just creates environments where we can we can you know our hearts and our minds can open up in different ways and i i think it makes it only makes perfect sense that the more individualized that uh that transmission becomes then the more unique its response can be so it's it's like it's partially selfish because i i want to i want i want to surprise myself i want to i want adventure through the act of creation and you know having done this for so long it's it's like thrilling to me that i'm at this stage in our career and we still we still get really fired up about what we're doing because we don't i, th I think a large part of it is because we don't hold ourselves to uh standards and ideals that are technical you know we're not craftsmen we're artists so we can tell a beautiful story in a simple lo-fi way and we can tell a dumb we can tell toilet humor through sophisticated embellishments you know like everything's everything's on the table for for, for a musician who think who operates like that and we'll be right back right after this welcome back it's kyle meredith with john baisley of baroness and completely taking it out of context with lyrics it's it's interesting that the album sort of opens with one of the lines i've lost my way because that seems like exactly the opposite of what's going on here <laughs> like you know and 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 to to that to that end i was entirely lost through the process of making this record on on you know in, in many ways personally in many ways mentally in many ways spiritually and physically there were things that were quite challenging but for me and i, I will i will walk the walk here and i'll put my money where my mouth is on this the music is therapy for me. You know, it is, there is something that's tremendously therapeutic for it. And, uh, you know, since, since forming this band, there has, as I said, there has been no lack of personal challenges to overcome. So I, I think, you know, I thank my lucky stars every day that, that I've got this creative spark and then I've got this band of, of, uh, musicians and bandmates friends you know who are more family to me than creative confidants and we get to work through our shit together and we get you know essentially take all the negatives and just through this weird alchemical sort of crucible like spit out something that is actually positive it's like the 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 denser the the denser that the weight of uh 
the tragedy, the lighter and more brightly shines the response musically. And I think that's been true throughout history. So, uh, you know, again, I just consider myself lucky to have found this because I don't know how I would deal with any of these. You know, I don't know how I don't know how I would find myself if I were lost and had no outlet like this. Well, you all, the band mates as ingredients and the recipe that you all make. I mean, it's, 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 it's so interesting. Like I said, I, I keep referring to a lot of my favorite artists, but that's what I, what you all do is exactly what I hope to get from art and music. And again, setting pop music aside for its own fun thing, sure. like choir, that track is the most unsettlingly beautiful <laughs> epic that i have heard in a long time well, it, it makes me feel weird at the same time it's like it's also gorgeous you know yeah yeah well like, and that that's a, actually a pretty good example because okay so musically that is an improvisation that was we 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 it's part of a the trilogy the track before it beneath the rose and the track following it uh the dirge are sort of the beginning and end caps on that um and what we what we really wanted to do uh, with, a, and we did it quite frequently on this record was, um, for every moment where we're where we're organized and coordinated, and where where the music has to be orchestrated, and there is a wrong or rightness to it, for every we try we really tried to shake that aspect of songwriting in a group as much as insofar as we we're capable of for for a record like this, and so choir was simply a tempo, a rhythm, and a key. And no one knew anything. No one, we, we just didn't talk about what the, what that was, what that song was going to be. It was really purely an idea that we continue the sort of rhythmic ostinato from the song before and just see what happens. Uh, because that's, that's something we do quite frequently when we're playing live, which we, you know, especially when we're doing long sets, we'll finish the song and you know Nick and Sebastian are, are rhythm section. They'll just they'll just sort of have a little fun. They'll like they'll try out like a a funk jam or like they'll try to they'll try to just sort of ride one simple cool idea uh, until and just to give the give the audience a break, give the band a break, give us all a little wind down after after intense music. And so so what we want to do on this record was just include that, but it's difficult to include um improvised material on a on a coordinated record that that has to be sequenced has to be mixed has to be mastered has you know has to go through this whole long process and ultimately goes out to the fans but it's not a live recording and i'm not interested in in the integrity of a live recording what i was interested in is the integrity of an improvisation so we had the idea that you just okay here's the beat uh nick our bass player like it's this key so he's like all right just do the one note and Gina and I had no formal discussion about, none of us had any formal discussion whatsoever in any way, shape, or form about what the song was, where it was going, or how to get there. It was simply a matter of exercising our chemistry, closing our eyes, like sort of just opening up all of your, you know, musical senses and having a conversation with your friends at a very sophisticated level where there's questions at there's questions posed and responses generated there's multiple people working at multiple times on creating gentle subtle dynamics like a, a lot of sophisticated things that are hard to even articulate um but but because we had no roadmap 
we knew that we knew that every time we recorded it, we would get something new. And I and we and further to that, we we understood that the more times we recorded, the more we were going to square it up. So I think we I think that track we played three improvisations, and the first one was by far the best because no one is playing, no one is playing with the theory of the song in mind. It is it's all just like little you know expressions. I kind of think of it like uh you know like a like a Monet uh like uh like like one of the uh garden paintings or per perhaps one of those paintings that he he would do cathedrals it's not there is a form there you know we will look at we at the end of the day we step back and we look at it and go okay well that's i get this feeling or i get this i get this sense and i can see something but it's it's not about like the four walls or the you know or the particular the flowers or the water whatever any it's it's just a lot of moments of energy uh, expressed in such a way that they do they create they they begin to create a form and we had we had to sort of like allow ourselves allow our receptors to operate in that instinctual way for quite a few songs on this record but that one most most definitely and then when we had this we had this insane instrumental I had reams and reams of stanzas written and you know in this it, 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 that, that that ended up some of which ended up being in the song and and I just I think one night I was worked up about something, having a tough time, or just been arguing with somebody or other, and I didn't really, I really didn't know how to apply a vocal reality to that song. And I just remember going down in my uh, basement studio, and I was just sort of pissed. And I just need like, I just, all I need to do is like get something out of my system. And so I, I just like chose that poem, and I just kind of read it over the music, and tried to stay out of the way of the music itself, and there you have it you know it's it wasn't there wasn't a lot of labor figuring out how to make it work there was just a lot there was a lot of labor spent making sure that the attitude with which we all approached our role in that song was the same was similar like that it, it was a matter of feeling space and feeling uh feeling where the music was taking us and then trying to get there at the same time as everybody else. And so you get, you know, you get these kind of tensions and, and sort of like weird dynamic builds. And there's, there's a, there's something unsettling about it because it was completely unsettled. I mean, I mean, that's, I think that actually worked. Yeah. That, that turn of phrase actually kind of works here because we had never discussed or settled on anything. So why, why wouldn't it feel unsettling? You know, uh, but, but long answer there, being able to, pursue those avenues is something that we as a group had to earn the right to do you know it's not something we could have done it's not something i could have hired three studio musicians to do it's something that the four of us because we're because we're a band because we're a unit we understand that occasionally our roles are insignificant in some in in such a way that if we realize that insignificance then we can support the the idea of the song a little bit better it's it's yeah it's kind of highfalutin stuff but uh well, it's fun, like fun a, to do it's fun to do yeah like uh like uh lee ronaldo stuff with sonic youth like that's you know that's that's sort of where I... sonic youth was the first it was the first show i ever saw when i was a kid i saw sonic youth wow. super chunk boredoms uh on browns island richmond virginia the second show i saw was nirvana half japanese and Beat happening or something like that. Great lineup. So. I was I was really I was really young. 
but but fortunately for me, and I'm I, I really like thanks thanks to Nirvana and Sonic Youth for bringing those type of bills out uh, on the road for 11, 12 year old kids like me from the who lived in deep in the country. Like, not only did I not know how insanely interesting what I was seeing was, but I didn't know that it there was something different. I didn't know that it had. I didn't know that it was. I didn't know that I was seeing something special. I just thought, well, this is this is the way you you know see Lee Ronaldo and Thurston Moore and Tim Gordon pull 30 guitars a piece out on the stage so they can play a set and every song is like a different guitar every song's got it's like completely strange like there's no way you've rehearsed that part before you know everything right. feels like it's equally about to fall apart and also transcendent sublime beauty in in that chaos and that's that is something I where where stylistically we don't sound a thing like Sonic Youth the spirit of that was something that was that taught me how to play music. You know, that was that was my first experience seeing. And the, I think I think we played uh, when I was 11, I was or 12 or something. When I was graduating from middle school, it was like one of the first shows that I ever played in front of people. We just did Sonic Youth and Nirvana covers. I mean, it was kind of amazing. And so, you know, so I've always had that idea that like, look, the instruments like the instruments should come into focus and go out of focus. And it's up and you don't have to apply any rationale just when you feel like when it feels like exploding let it explode when it feels like tightening up and becoming a, a narrative instrument then let it be that but you know the thing i think that that a lot of people uh you know tangential to the to the band over the years haven't understood is is that that where our music is kind of complex i mean it is it is certainly not the simplest thing to play more importantly than that, it's like I, I, being playing music is difficult for me. It's I've never been. It's not. It's not easy. It's not like a thing that just uh, the tech technical aspects of music just don't don't come easily to me. Music, the melody comes easy. You know, harmony becomes instinctual. But but like, as far as as far as playing it, if it's not going to be easy, if I'm not a, if I'm not like a, um, you know prodigy of fluidity and dynamics and technique then i should relish the difficulty and the edge that i've got because if i didn't have that i would be able to I, that would be another thing that would be inimitable for for you know for the prodigies and the fluid musicians there the, the the difficulty is finding grit is finding attitudes finding character because you've you know sort of bread bread your technique out of it or something or 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 simply put everybody's expression falls on this somewhere on the scale between complete full true art which is like impossible and and very very jagged and very and very difficult to digest and then pop music which is like stacker and sweet and somewhere in the midst of that is how we all choose to play our thing and i just you know i don't have a choice mine mine's going to be a little rough so yeah, so we try to play like really complicated music uh, to, I, I don't know if it's like to hide that fact or to highlight that fact, but I think sometimes when we're making records that I'm right, I, like I enjoy writing so far beyond my technical capacity as a, as a as a performer that it's just that fact where like if you're, you know, if you're always shooting well beyond your capabilities, then at least you're probably going to land one, you know, millimeter beyond what you've been capable of in the past. And I think that that's, it's, it's just that that's, I mean, I'm just, I'm just describing like many different types of mindsets 
uh, to create. But you know, the records come from those uh, subconscious things that you know. I like I talk about them in the press, and we talk about them before we do any music. When we get in, when we get into play, it's just. And I hope we, you know, I hope our instincts are good. I hope our chemistry is good. I hope that we have a good back and forth. Um, and I, and you know, I think with Stone, we really wanted to create, you know, like a bit of a mission statement for for where we are now. Uh, I think we should always, you know, maybe, maybe we should always do that. Every record we put out should be a mission statement for where we are now. That might seem self-evident, but um, the alternative is to try to improve on some model that you set up in the past. And I think that that can, for, for a band like us, can be very faulty thinking because it's just, hey, can, can, can we improve something that we've already done well? I think I think maybe yes, but I think it's more important to understand what we've done well and then to ignore it so that we can focus on something that we want to be able to do well uh, through our music. Where you all landed on stone is perfectly what I wanted to hear right now. So yeah, for everything that's going on in your we did too. Yeah, we for everything that's going on in your lives, it, it landed so well as a listener, you know, and I think that's that's one of the great marriages, right? I mean, that's how yeah, I would think that's how you hope. It's like you can do one thing, but for it to go out there in the world and become someone else's like it's a powerful record it's a beautiful record and i let it wash over me when i needed to and i dig in when i need to and that's that's all i could ask for yeah because it because because i think the the best records in my life that, that i that i haven't been part of the, the great records for me are the records that i maybe maybe i just like it the first time i hear it maybe i don't even like it it doesn't really the first listen's like completely immaterial to me uh, it's just to it's just to begin to gain familiarity with the record, but but like I enjoy if I if the records qual got the quality such that I can get to my twentieth listen, I enjoy that twentieth listen because it's that's where I start to hear not not the obvious stuff that that you know not not just the chords and the and and the textures and the the legitimate melodies, but the the breathing, you know, the air, the attitude the swagger all that stuff which i think is much more important about music you know like once you've got a good hook then it's then it's your duty as a musician to make it an interesting song you know because writing a good hook's not i'm not saying that that's easy i'm saying once you've been fortunate enough to have been blessed with a good hook or any hook at all even a bad one uh then it's your job to take that hook and do something cool with it you know because if you do what if you do what we've already heard with it no one's no one cares. I mean, I don't think it's got staying power. I think, I think that you know one thing that I I still love doing, and I think the, the you know the modern musical climate's made this more difficult by the by the day. But it's like we all really want to find a record that we've never heard before that's just going to be completely challenging and blow us away. You know, you want to find the early material by some band that everybody's heard of, but you want to find that one song that's just the most amazing thing they've ever written that no one's ever heard. You want to have that secret forbidden knowledge. Um, I think that that's a difficult thing to achieve these days, but what one thing that we, we set out, we set out for, and we just hope that we can get there is to create a compelling listen that can, that can be listened to in that sort of superficial, like, yeah, like doing household chores or whatever. And it's, and it's on and there's something, there's something there that's fun for that, but then for the dedicated headphone listener, that there's there's some meat on that bone as well. And then you know that it feels good when you're driving your car or walking out on the street that there's you know there's a blanket of atmosphere that 
that that takes you out of reality just for a little bit you know and that's that's part of that's part of music well john thank you for giving a damn all these years i really mean that thank you for giving a damn and doing what you guys do of course uh congratulations on this record and uh, i appreciate you taking the time to talk all about this it's been one of my uh more fun uh, conversations I'll have probably all week. So <laughs> awesome! Yeah. <laughs> well, I love talking. I love talking about music. I would talk about somebody else's music, but unfortunately, I'm here to uh, promote our our record. So. Yeah, we'll do that next time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, man. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Take care, and uh, I'll see you around. Yes, indeed. My thanks to John. The new Baroness album is called Stone. Thanks to you for checking out the episode. Again, please do hit that subscribe button so you can keep up with all the interviews that we put out every single week. New ones every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at uh, Spotify, Apple Podcast, at NPR, WFPK.org, YouTube for the video versions, or anywhere you get your podcast from, you can subscribe to Kyle Meredith with. And then after that, head over to WFPK.org. So I do a show Monday through Friday, starting at 6 p.m. Eastern. You get four hours of classic tracks, the best in new music. There's anniversary spins, bonus interviews, music news. Uh, one of my most recent shows had the music of Can, Depeche Mode, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, Cracker, Lauren Hill, Elliot Smith, Remy Zero, Jonathan Richmond, Juliana Hatfield, Pearl Jam, Warren Zevon, Hearts. Tracy Chapman, and my interview with Keanu Reeves and his band Dogstar. That's just an example of what you get every weeknight at 6 p.m. at wfpk.org. Consequence, as your music and film news, you can also find me on any of the, uh, the old social media spots. The address is always at Kyle Meredith, so I do hope you like and follow along. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith, and I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. It, it's kind of like this concept that you're driving towards when you're on tour, and you're you're only in it for like a like a minute. It seems it seems fleeting. You know what I mean? It's easy to hear your favorite artist on WFPK from wherever you are. Listen on your smart speaker, live stream from our website at wfpk.org, from Louisville Public Media.